Absolutely. Well, I think that uh, we should have a session where we just open it to trainees, like a Q and A session. What do you reckon? You know, I know, I know, I know. It's kind of ballsy, but uh, no. But can we have okay? a, can we have like a call in system? We're gonna have an Ask Me Anything episode for our next episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Anesthesia Coffee Break. I'm Lahiru, and I'm Stan. And on this episode, yes, Stan is coming up with a very interesting question from the exam, but we're going to take it, we're going to take it apart and make it more general about drug toxicity and how to approach that in general. So we'll get into that. Um, and also a performance tip by me. Uh, and uh, yeah, the usual disclaimer, which is all of this is going to be really general medical advice for an exam. But please, if you're treating a patient, don't take this as gold and definitely ask your treating team about more information for your specific patient. Uh, so let's get into it. Hey Stan, so let's get into it. Um, where are we at? Oh, that's right. First of all, we've got some more Patreons to thank. So um, yes, really, shout really out. happy. Yeah, shout How out. Exciting. So, <laughs> thank you so much, Nikki, for being a Patreon and Phil, as well as Kate. Really appreciate your generosity. Again, all of our funds. We hope to make enough to make a substantial contribution to this um, funder fellow. Uh, very soon and when we do that we're gonna we're gonna make a big deal out of it because we're, we're very excited that we can make this channel about helping people pass the exam and also yeah give, giving giving away some valuable um i guess financial assistance to the places that really need it great yes now la you've got a performance tip that you want to share with everyone what is yeah. this i've realized that especially so in lockdown i think i pretty much just worked the whole time. So I was, you know, going to work and then coming home and doing education stuff and working on the website and the YouTube channel and all, all the rest of it. And now, now that, you know, I've, I definitely lost balance now that we've come out of lockdown, I'm trying to regain that balance. I realized that I just can't, I want to do everything. I just can't do everything I need because I don't have the time anymore. And so I'm really, first of all, I'm, you know, collaborating a lot with people. So, you know, having Stan do this is just amazing, obviously, but also I'm outsourcing stuff. So my performance tip is outsourcing the things that I can that I can outsource. Understanding that there might be a bit of a hit to uh, sometimes the quality and exactly the vision of what I want, um, but that's okay because you know I'm, I'm a, I always think back to the values I, I want to have, and you know re really COVID nineteen and lockdown made me think about these things. I want to you know make sure I spend time with the people I care about, my family, and my friends, and make time for that. And that means that I've got to definitely give up a lot of the control over things um, like the education stuff. So my, so in my example, literally, I've just found a website editor person. I've found someone on Upwork for doing video editing. Um, and I think that's going to just save me a lot of time so that I can just focus on doing what I can do best, which is, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I, I know anesthetics, I know medicine, I can teach that. So I just want to do more of that and less of the tedious tasks um, of editing, really. Now, mm. how do I- and that makes I, sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, in terms of, you know, bang for your buck or where your value is as a person um, and as how you can contribute to making, you know, the world a better place, it's really about delivering ideas, delivering, you know, content and having that creativity and having that time to, mm -hmm. you know, be able to be creative, but also at the same time, understand that, you know, you, you value the importance of relationships and developing and nurturing relationships which again takes time. Mm -hmm. And so the other aspects, which I think, you know, knowing you for the last, you know, couple of years, especially our journey together with that, uh, you know, this podcast, seeing your skills develop 
with the video editing and as well as the, you know, the sound editing as well has been incredible to, to watch and see and see you learn and grow with this process. But I think that, you know, you're right. These, these things take time and mm. it's very, very labor intensive. And I think that, you know, there's an opportunity for someone else to do those tasks. Yes. Whilst you can use your, whilst, you know, you can use that time better or better utilize that time to delivering other aspects of, yes. um, you know, of, of your life. I think that there's yeah. so much value in that. And I, and I thought, how could I, you know, how could you relate to this, this to the first part exam? And I think there is, there's, there's a lot of ways you, you can do it, whether it's outsourcing your cleaning tasks, because again, if you're not naturally a person that loves cleaning, you can get someone else to do that for the time of this exam. If you don't love cooking and making healthy meals, you can get someone to make healthy meals for you. So this isn't getting, you know, a bucket of chicken for the next week from KFC necessarily. <laughs> it's, you know, making sure you've got healthy, healthy food that's regularly available to you. You know, I remember one of my mates, he used to, one of his aunties, his family used to pay like an auntie of theirs to make amazing curries for them. And he'd, you know, he'd have a whole frozen collection in the freezer and take up most of our freezer space. But it was, uh, it was amazing that he could just have a healthy meal whenever he wanted. Um, and you can yeah. think of, yeah, you can think of a lot of tasks that you could outsource when you're time poor in this exam. And I want you to think, think about that to, you know, just do the best that you can. Yeah. Well, speaking about outsourcing, I mean, um, with my um, with my Patreon page, I'm I'm outsourcing my weekly session to you this tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's and that's such a oh, it's been. I tell you what, I've actually been burnt out the last fortnight. I think. Oh, yeah, you think a lot. Probably more the last sort of week. And when I say burnt out, more so that you know, I think that I just sort of need that time, just to have that uh, time to to do not not so much primary stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's been really, really nice to have you come aboard and to collaborate with you and, you know, to know that you are going to do an amazing, an amazing job tomorrow with, um, with talking, talking about the, um, the mind coaching. So I'm really oh, excited right. about yeah. that as well. And, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about this um, tomorrow in our session, but the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a performance coach. I'm not an expert at this, but you just don't have to be an expert to share good ideas. And something I've just learned mm. recently, you know, there's no new ideas. There's just a new, you know, there's just different messengers. And, and there's a real advantage to sharing a message in the way you think about it, because someone might find it useful and that's, and that's all you're doing. But also the fact that you try to teach something, you try to process something and and maybe put something together. It's just the last few days of me typing up this, this presentation and getting my ideas mm. around a lot of the stuff I've learned in the last couple of years has been incredibly useful. So mm. yeah. So everyone tune into Stan's Patreon. Um, definitely sign up to that. What, what, what's the, we'll put the link down obviously, but you know, yeah. Stan's doing some amazing stuff with part one teaching on a regular basis. It was it weekly sessions where he's running through his way of doing short answer questions, which I wish I had that resource when I was, I was doing this. Um, and then, yeah, tomorrow we're going to, yeah, we're going to do some performance and mindfulness stuff and trying to, you know, package what all of the, I guess, the self-improvement and performance and productivity tips and welfare stuff into one, you know, Amazing. roughly hour session Amazing. to help, help first yeah. party candidates. Okay. Beautiful. So this question, let's get to this question. Discuss the factors that influence the toxicity of local anesthetics 
when used for topical anesthesia of skin and mucosa. And this is from 2020 second sitting short answer question paper, mm. question nine. Um, so if you wanted to follow along, that would be the question to go with. But um, yeah, Stan, how did you approach this question? And I think you're going to go a bit more broad with this yeah. general technique. So I've, I've, got a, um, I've got a template which I use to think about um, toxicity of drugs. And I'm going to share this with you and you can apply it um, and you can even adapt it and change it however the way you want. And the, the way that it works is the idea that the end, the end result is toxicity, okay? And we're gonna think about how or what we do or what happens leads up to that event. And so the first step that I think about is the drug choice. Actually, and just to, toxicity is so broad, right? So it can be mm. anything that causes an adverse event based on Correct. a drug, is that roughly? So, so the, a very nice, easy definition of toxicity is, as you said, it are the adverse effects of drugs. Mm -hmm. And certainly you can expand on that. You can say um, where the adverse effects can be deleterious and also can be fatal or non-fatal. And the other things that you can also add can be reversible or non-reversible as well. Mm -hmm. But I think for you know, simplicity state, you can just say toxicities are the adverse effects of a drug. Okay. okay. And then after that, you can certainly um, think about the types of toxicities they are because you can have local toxicity as well as um, systemic toxicity um, that can occur. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a, there is a broad, a very wide range of uh, applications to the idea of toxicity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So your framework for toxicity so the framework is number one, it's about drug choice because specific drugs will have specific types of toxicities associated with them. Actually, Stan, what's your, what's your full framework just to get started with? Yeah. So, so number one is drug choice. Mm -hmm. And after that, number two is what I call drug exposure across time. Mm -hmm. And then number three, uh, patient variables affecting that. And ultimately that leads to the idea of toxicity. Yeah, okay. Okay. So you think about it, all, all that, um, it's that interplay with, you know, giving the drug to the patient and then what, what happens in terms of um, the drug to the body. And then after that, what, how the, um, you know, any patient variables affects that in terms of that concentration, which can ultimately lead that to, um, yeah. to toxicity. And, and it's interesting. I'm glad you brought this question up because, I, you know, I think we all think about drug toxicity, toxicity all the time. And when you uh, propose this question, I thought, oh, how do I even think about this? And I just thought, okay, I'll go back to my original frameworks, which, you know, have stood well in the, you know, in the test of time, which mm. is pharmaceutics, pharmacokinetics, yes. pharmacodynamics. Absolutely. And then I've always got the whole patient factors and potentially other drugs and what they do. So maybe as we, as you're going through this, I'll try to link it into my framework to, help me understand as well. Correct. And, you know, for all the keen listeners out there and uh, those with sharp ears, that's exactly what it is. You know, drug choice is your pharmaceutics. Your drug exposure across time is your pharmacokinetics. <coughs> patient variables um, are your pharmacodynamics. And the, the reason why I've structured it as such is that, I, you know, there, it just allows you to have a flow of concepts. In other words, you're, you're able to build concepts on with one another. Whereas I, I think that um, 
you know, whilst pharmaceutics, pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics is a really good framework, mm-hmm. it tends to just box in those um, those concepts there. And, like and just it, it doesn't it doesn't allow you to have that continuation uh, where you're able to build build on those ideas. My my counter view to that, I guess, is. Um, if I if I say those terms of pharmaceutics, kinetics, dynamics, drug factors, patient factors, other other, then the examiner sees that and goes, oh good, this is something the examiner is familiar with, like it's a kind of a tested modality or framework. Whereas if I give them something different, I'm I'm potentially worried that they won't realize that I know what I'm talking about. Maybe, but then I guess it comes down to the detail. Once you put the detail in, everyone knows you know what you're talking about. I suspect that's right. Yeah. yeah, correct. And I think it should be it should be fairly fairly sort of obvious that um, mm-hmm. you know when you're talking about drug choice, when you're mm-hmm. talking about drug exposure across time, and you're talking about patient variables, I mean you 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 spotted it straight away that that was pharmaceutics, pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics. And I guess look, if you want to play it safe uh, in a short answer question, mm-hmm. what I would have down is I would have those three things down, and you can put those in brackets that those are that those represent those are key key ideas of um, yeah. pharmaceutics, pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics. Because the reason the reason why I'm trying to move away from that is that I, I think that a lot of times when people use that framework, you know, especially with pharmacokinetics, they start going, all right, so pharmacokinetics, um, absorption, distribution, metabolic, meta, um, metabolism, elimination. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when I think about the drug exposure across time, mm-hmm. what I want to do is I want to tie it in to a formula. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's that idea about, um, you know, when we think about drug exposure th- across time, you mm-hmm. know, it's that idea about clearance mm-hmm. and about drug. So um, we know that clearance equals drug, your, your drug dose divided by your drug exposure across time, which is the area under the curve. And mm-hmm. this is where that idea sort of comes from. And it just builds on from those concepts there. Mm-hmm. And it's about thinking about ideas that affects your clearance mm-hmm. and then ideas that affect your, yeah, the, the, the drug, uh, or in other words, how much drug you're going to use as well. Okay. And also with pharmacodynamics, I think it, it just helps build up that, um, you know, that idea that it's just, it goes beyond sort of, you know, cardiovascular, respiratory, um, you know, neuro, which is what a lot of can, a lot of trainees are trained to do. They're a lot of, they're lot, you know, they're taught to think about it systematically, which I think has its place mm-hmm. when perhaps, um, you know, you're hearing a question for the first time. But I think that if you've had time to sort of think about this, you know, you could, you could probably better eloquently explain it in terms of the actual patient variables, which are related to that drug. So for, for, for example, with local anesthetics, the things that will affect it are going to be uh, things like, we know that uh, acidosis, hypercarbia, hypoxia really worsens local anesthetic toxicity, especially those affecting the heart. Mm. Um, and, we can go, and, and that way you can sort of tailor that really specifically um, mm. to the drug using this framework here. Right. Um, so let's talk about drug factors then. What, what do you have in that? Like what are the specific things? Uh, and uh, relating to, I guess, local anesthetics even. Yeah. So first of all, um, specific to this question. So let's, so let's go through this framework and, um, and look, you you know, what what we can do is we can, we can, we can sort of do it together. Um, All right. So in, so let's say this question is specifically talking about toxicity of drugs for topical local anesthetics Mm. that we use in the skin and mucosa. And then I'm going to ask you, all right, so which drugs, which local anesthetic drugs 
do we use for the skin and mucosa? What 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 are yeah. what are the common drugs? Common, common ones, uh, drugs that you use? Yeah, common ones. I guess uh, for skin topical would be uh, you know angel cream and emla or eutelic yeah. mixture Beautiful. of local anesthetics. And then commonly for eyes, you use drops. So that's um, uh, oxybuprocaine or amethocaine. Uh, yes, so that's used. Um, and then just off the cuff, then the and this is pretty common to all of them. But really, if you've got preservatives that people react to, that mm. is pharmaceutics or, or your you know drug choice. Or if they've got an allergy to a specific preservative or the drug itself, that's a mm. major problem. Um, and potentially other additives. So if you've got, yeah. and, uh, and how about how about for um, topicalization of mucosa? Do you know for your oh, yeah, like optics? What what do you use then? Yeah, so let's say high dose or higher dose lignocaine, atomized yeah. for mucosa for awake fiber optics. Yeah, yeah. And then and then how about e, like anything specific for ENT? Well, we don't really use it, but ENT. Oh, cocaine, cocaine, I guess. For yeah, nasal yeah. Okay. So that's really good to think really broadly because I think when you first look at that question, you might just go into, oh, Emla cream, but really, wow, there's so many things we use topically uh, and right. other, other specialists use topically as well. Right. And, and that already provides you the framework already. And, and I'm glad you said Emla cream. So Emla cream has prolocaine in it. Yeah. And um, and you mentioned some really other good uh, local anesthetic drugs, so um, amethocaine, oxybu- uh, oxybuprocaine. And you can add that into your framework in terms of that these are the drugs that you can now talk about with regards to toxicity. So then we can divide it further into that. Um, so lignocaine and prolocaine are amides and uh, cocaine, amethocaine, and the one you said oxybuprocaine are esters. Mm. And so that those would be the types of local and those would be the choices of the local anesthetic drugs um, that we use. And then we can talk about the specific toxicities that may be related to them. Mm. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, with, with all those um, that with both the amides and esters that um, we have uh, described, that they all can cause uh, what we call sort of local anesthetic systemic toxicity. And that includes, you know, your CNS toxicity as well as uh, your cardiovascular toxicity as well. Yes. I, I don't think, um, we don't need to go too much into detail about the mechanisms uh, involved, mm-hmm. other than to say that if you give enough lignocaine, you're gonna get, you're gonna get seizures. I think, that, I think that's, yeah. uh, and, and if, you, if you give enough, it's gonna end up, uh, patient's gonna have CNS depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, have, you, have you ever been involved with, um, with, someone with local anesthetic toxicity before? La? No, not um, not directly, fortunately. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, o- over time, I think it, probably every few years, there's an incident where there's some, some severe local right. anesthetic toxicity reaction. And you hear about this, yeah, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the amount, that, um, uh, amount of lignocaine that uh, I think a lot of people are, are using nowadays, not just for, mm. I guess, uh, you know, for topicalization of airways, but also they, you know, they use it for tumescent anesthesia as well. I think that, that's that's what we've, oh, yeah. we've heard multiple times in the news. Forgive uh, the pun, but cases. yeah, very very topical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we won't uh, we won't go too much into the detail. Now, yeah. what's quite interesting is that lignocaine does have a, a metabolite MEGX. Mm-hmm. It's called monoethylglycine xylodide, but I just I just know it as xylodide. Okay, and that has been implicated um, in seizures. So that's considered to be neurotoxic and, and cocaine. I think, um, you know, uh, cocaine does reduce your seizure threshold as well. And that's quite interesting 
because you know that's going to be one of the one of the groups that um, of of local anesthetic drugs that we can also discuss about. So that, if I was to again get this around my head, that's actually going to say the pharmacodynamics, the actual action of these drugs can cause toxicity in itself. So local anesthetics they block sodium channels and as as well as a few other channels, and this can then the side effects of this is nervous central nervous system inhibitory and excitatory responses. So you know starting from t- ringing in ears, tinnitus perioral numbness, then going into seizure and coma, and then cardiac toxicity, which generally manifests as, you know, conduction problems, arrhythmias, all the way down to cardiac arrest um, and potentially mm. systole later. Um, so that's so that's the traditional way of thinking about this. So mm. I'm, I'm proposing a, a mm. different way because then mm. this will allow you to actually talk about, you know, each group and in, in equal amounts of time. And, and what I mean by that is that, um, you know, with, and I, and I totally understand that, uh, you know, when you talk about cocaine and it's CNS and cardiovascular toxicity, that's mm. a pharmacodynamic effect. Mm. But what I'm proposing is that that is actually very specific to cocaine. And it's, it's something that, um, you are gonna have if you decide to use cocaine and the, and what I'll do is, you know, with the patient variables in terms of the pharmacodynamic effects, what I will say is that patients who who may have cardiac disease mm-hmm. are probably more susceptible to the effects of cocaine toxicity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. it actually allows you to bring in another factor in, which says that there are patient factors involved, mm-hmm. which can increase the, the, the toxicity of drugs. In other words, that, you know, you would, you would probably try to minimize or avoid cocaine in, in someone with known cardiovascular disease. And I think that, you know, using this framework allows you to actually describe that quite eloquently, because otherwise, I think like what a lot of candidates would do is they, they would put that cocaine and the, and the CNS cardiovascular effects into the pharmacodynamics column. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the pharmacodynamics um, chap, you know, the, the section just becomes, it just becomes too large to actually, um, you know, it, it just becomes a bit messy, if, if that makes sense. Whereas I think there's a bit of clarity now to sort of say, um, with the drug choice, if you decide to use cocaine, these are the specific toxicities involved. Um, if you decide to use lignocaine, it's got a metabolite which uh, is implicated in seizures. If you decide to use prilocaine in emlacrine, it's gonna it's gonna um, increase your risk of met hemoglobin. And if you decide to use esters, and I think esters are are implicated in more allergic reactions than amides because of their um, because of their metabolite, uh, PABA, which is the para-amino benzoic acid, acid, which I think, yeah, I think, I think it's also a preservative as well, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. In sunscreens actually, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, I think I've realized that you're going down the drug first. So you're going to mm. drug centric, uh, toxicity method. And the yes. way I was approaching it was a categorized, that's right. Cedic dynamics, which, which is there. which is what which I think is what we we're traditionally uh, taught. Exactly. Okay. Does that mean and, that you then within each drug you go through each? No. Thing? Okay. So un- unless that there is there is a specific um, oh, okay a specific sort of toxicity associated with them. So you know, like um, so let's say with let's say with muscle relaxants. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say you apply the rule with muscle relaxants. Mm-hmm. Then you know with muscle relaxants you know that saxamethonium can have specific um, toxicity such as saxapnea, 
malignant hypothermia, yes. which is not associated with non-depolarizing muscle relaxants. Mm -hmm. And then in the third section, where we talk about patient variables, you can talk about variables which can increase your risk of sarx apnea. Mm -hmm. So, um, or, or, you know, those with pseudocholinesterase deficiencies or, so, or those with makes, genetic um, disorders. That, that makes a lot of sense. Because right now, your method is getting to the point of difference of each agent. So you're getting right, right to the, the marks very quickly. Whereas That's a general right. general method may get you a broad range of ge generic answers may not, not may not get you critical marks and and there's a very uh, common practice in the second part exam where you want to get to the point very quickly without too much reliance on frameworks and and I guess my counter to that is if this was a following question I hadn't really thought about it I like the fact that you're saying these are my drugs my drug choices are mm. these I will then mm. and maybe making a statement I will then talk about toxicities in each of these categories pseudics kinetics dynamics and just say that as a statement, but then I'm going to talk specifically about cocaine doing this, 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 you know, not forgetting that it is hepatically metabolized and liver failure will cause problems. Uh, and uh, maybe that, you know, lignocaine at, or ropivacaine at a certain dose will cause, you know, it's more cardiac toxic, less mm. uh, small CNS, CC to CNS ratio. Therefore, cardiac collapse is more, more likely to be pivacaine and ropivacaine or, yeah. you know, and, and get really specific about each agent. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, but this is where you can compare and contrast like the different drugs. So, you know, like when, so, you know, for this, if you were talking about um, local anesthetics used for regional um, anesthesia in, in your drug choice, you can actually talk about the different CC CNS ratios of the different local anesthetics. And I think that's where you fit that in. Yes. That's where you fit that in, in terms of that pivacaine has a lower CC CNS ratio than pivacaine. Mm -hmm. And then in the patient variable section, you can talk about um, certain certain pathologies that can increase the risk of toxicity. Yeah. So you know, hypercarbia, acidosis, um, and also there's also age factors as well. So you know, in, in the very young or the very old, um, you might have um, issues related with your hepatic metabolism, which can increase the um, the, the drug concentration actually in the system. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And so yeah. uh, if you were now to uh, talk about each of them, I think we've already yeah. mentioned a few things. Would you talk much more about each? So if we, should we that's go it, through? That's, it. That, that's all I'll mention. So okay, I'll, cool. what I would mention is that all local anesthetics cause local, um, local anesthetic systemic toxicity, which is last, which is your um, uh, CNS and cardiovascular toxicity. And then within the CNS toxicity, I'd have specifically, I'd add that lignocaine has, does have a metabolite called MEGX or, or zalidine, um, which is neurotoxic and that cocaine can also lower the, the seizure threshold. Mm. And then under cardiovascular, I would, I would have that um, cocaine does cause coronary vasospasms mm. and can also increase your sympathetic uh, stimulation, mm -hmm. which can lead to dysrhythmias. Um, and then after that, I would have that prilocaine is implicated with methemoglobin because of its metabolite uh, orthotoluidine. And then finally, you know, an anaphylaxis and allergic and sort of local an um, allergic reactions are more commonly with esters, ester anesthetics than with amide anesthetics. And then you did mention the things that are common to all of them. And these aren't so points of difference, but worth mentioning at the end, which is the age, age changes and disease states. I think so I would leave that. I would leave that for my third section you know, for the great. patient variables. Yeah. Yes. So for my patient variables, I'd have all those things that, um, that, uh, yeah, that, 
um, yeah, I think can can affect it. And look, the way that I think about this is that you know, it, it's like a step. It's like the 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 choice of drug you use will then will then limit or or define what toxicities are possible. So yes. so in other words, that that's what I'm describing first. I'm I'm going all right. You've taken drug X with drug X. These are all the different types of toxicities that yes. are going to be possible when you give drug X. Mm-hmm. When you give it to the patient, a lot of the toxicities are going to be dose dependent. Mm-hmm. And so, and so then this is about that idea in, in terms of what is going to affect um, that, that dose dependency or the drug exposure across time. Okay. Yes. And then the last, and then the last bit is, you know, with regards, because the thing is not everyone who has a high concentration of that drug is going to have toxicities. And, you know, we know that some patients are more vulnerable to, to toxicities than others. And mm. what is it that causes that vulnerability? And that's where you can discuss things like, you know, for, for local anesthetics, things like age, um, things which can be related to, uh, you know, hepatic failure, renal failure, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, any pathologies and, yeah, and, and that's when you can sort of build up that story. That sounds really good. Yeah. Okay, that's, I think that's covered that pretty well then. So we pretty much talked through discussing factors that influence the toxicity of local anesthetics when used for topical anesthesia, skin and mucosa. We, yep. I like that we went really broad with that. So we're not just talking about just the skin stuff. We're talking about all the different aspects of wave fiber optics and ENT surgery and all the drugs you could use. We're doing a yep. drug-centered approach specific toxicities, then patient variables and other diseases that might change things. And that way you can probably apply that to any other circumstance, notwithstanding that you could also interact, you know, if you've forgotten stuff, you could use up your other methods of pseudics, kinetics and dynamics to, uh, you know, if you, if you think you've forgotten something, just to right. rejog your memory um, without necessarily mentioning it. Well, we've, we've already done, we've only done step one and we need to go to step two. Oh, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so step, so step two is your drug exposure across time. Yes. And then, and I think that then, you know, we're thinking now about um, factors that will increase your drug exposure. So not, so number one is going to be the dose that you use. If you use a higher dose, you're going to have more drug exposure. And I think this is where you can also add that, you know, concurrent use of any other local anesthetics. Mm. So if you have any other um, systemic local anesthetic on board, that can also increase your toxicity as well. And, and I think at this point here, you can talk about um, how um, the absorption of drug occurs systematically, mm-hmm. okay? And it it's, should be quite um, evident that mucosa, because it's got less of a skin barrier and more blood flow, mm-hmm. it will absorb um, more, more local anesthetics than through the skin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is where you could probably just quickly add in fixed law of diffusion into that. Yeah, nice. All right. And, and I think that one of the things is that um, a lot of candidates would probably spend time talking about fixed law of diffusion, but I think it only, I think, you know, for this question here, I think it only includes a small proportion of, of what this answer actually um, tries to tries mm. to get you to discuss. It's not right. talking about the, the rapidity and comprehensiveness of transfer of a drug. It's talking That's about toxicity. Right. And it's, it's one statement to talk about fixed law, really. That's right. Yep. Correct. That's right. Um, and then the other thing, you know, with in terms of uh, topical local anesthetics is that, you know, you, you don't want to, like when you put an amylar cream, you should, you should limit how much um, you leave it on to the patient. And certainly in, in the product information, it does talk about that, you know, especially in, in, in neonates where they have a, um, 
a very immature um, hepatic system. You don't want to be leaving on uh, amla cream for long, longer than you know, longer <laughs> than an hour. Okay? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and and certainly, I think also as well, what what we sort of think about in terms of freak, um, frequency of exposure. In other words, that at any, in any 24 hour period, you don't want to be applying multiple amla creams over and over again because that's going to be um, that's going to be increasing your drug exposure across time. And good. So you mentioned dose, the amount of time, as well as the tissue and how much would transfer, um, and then that allows you to give a you know comprehensive answer about how that drug will affect that particular patient. Okay. Yeah. Correct. And then you know specifically with. Um, uh, with local anesthetics, we think about clearance and, you know, most for, for, for AMIF, they're hepatically metabolized and for esters, they are um, metabolized with plasma esterases. Mm-hmm. And so the, the AMIFs are going to be affected with your, um, what we call your clearance from the hepatic system, which is a function of both hepatic blood flow, um, the degree of protein binding, mm-hmm. and as well as the enzyme activity of the um, hepatic enzyme. So again, you know, knowing those three things, hepatic blood flow, protein binding, and enzyme activity, that will allow you to think about certain pathologies in, in the patient variables, which are going to be increasing your risk of toxicity. Okay. Mm. And I'm jumping ahead here, um, but just to show how it's sort of linked in, it's yeah. that, you know, for, for the patient variables, anything that decreases hepatic blood flow. So for example, you know, in the elderly who've got um, decreased cardiac output, you got decreased hepatic blood flow, decreased clearance of, you know, your AMIT local anesthetics, which can potentially increase um, the risk of uh, local anesthetic toxicity. And also, you know, in neonates who have a very immature hepatic system, they probably have immature hepatic enzymes, which again, decreases the clearance of um, AMIT local anesthetics, increasing your drug exposure, increasing your risk of local anesthetic toxicity. Yeah. Yeah, nice. And look, and look for, kidneys what would i say for the kidneys for the kidneys for the local anesthetics look probably only relevant i would think for lignocaine's metabolite as xylodine which is renally excreted otherwise most local anesthetics are um, they're hepatically metabolized okay Mm. Um, yeah and and so I, i would say that you know patients with renal dysfunction the, the risk is that, uh, you know, if you use large doses of lignocaine, the metabolite um, xylodite, which is neurotoxic, can, can potentially accumulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Brilliant. And then, yeah, and then after that, you move on to patient variables. And we've sort of discussed, um, you know, some of the aspects of patient variables with related to the elderly and, and hepatic output and hepatic blood flow in neonates with immature hepatic enzymes. And also with... Um, with local anesthetics, you've got to be careful with, you know, acidosis and hypercarbia. So the thought is that, you know, with CNS toxicity, acidosis and hypercarbia will increase your, your cerebral blood flow. And when you increase your cerebral blood flow, you're actually increasing the amount of local anesthetics being delivered to the brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, you know, the idea of acidosis promotes ion trapping. You know, we, we think about ion trapping when we think about the fetus. Mm. And so, that can actually increase your risk of toxicity. And with the cardiovascular system, acidosis, hypercarbia, and hypoxia are, are all um, cardiovascular depressants. And that's gonna, that's gonna promote the cardiovascular collapse that can occur. Yeah, that's interesting. And maybe worthwhile going into that. So 
if you have higher CO2, you get, so you get more blood flow cerebrally, therefore more mm. delivery to sites that you don't want local anesthetic to go. But also mm. it means that you have the ionized fraction now inside the cell trapped there. That's right. Exerting its bad effects. Um, so, I mean, so that means I, I think one of those suggested things that you definitely don't want the CO2 to climb too high in local anesthetic toxicity. You may want to hyperventilate. You want to keep it normal. Yeah. Keep it normal. That's right. Yeah, good. Excellent. Absolutely. And, and and I think that, uh, that that's one of the key things. In fact, you know, I think that's one of the key things in, in any arrest, but more so with local anesthetic toxicity is that you want to avoid the patient being hypercarbic. You want to make sure they're well oxygenated. And you also want to make sure that, um, you know, they're not acidotic. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and then good. finally, you know, with related to local anesthetics, you could probably add that um, uh, there are certain patients who, who would be at risk of methemoglobin. So there are certain, certain metabolic disorders which are associated with um, methemoglobin and also the use of other drugs. So like sodium nitroprusside mm. can actually promote um, methemoglobin and you, you probably want to avoid using prilocaine in those patients there. It's and, 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 and that, yeah, and that's my framework. And you can apply that to any, any drug. You can do that exercise to muscle relaxants, to yeah. induction agents. So it's probably a good thing. You know, if you want to have a bit of homework, just, I like the idea of drilling things. So imagine mm. drilling this toxicity type question for all your major classes, uh, you know, your volatiles, toxicity of uh, IV induction yeah. agents, muscle relaxants, opioids, local anesthetics, like we just covered. And, you know, anything else is, you know, instead of just learning it, a drug by itself, learn it yes. in a context and it just rewires your brain to allow you to memorize a bit. Correct. And, and I quite like this method um, because it allows you to sort of compare and contrast. So in other words, you know, for, let's say you do, you do what are the toxicities of inhalational agents mm. and then you go, all right, drug choice. We know that, you know, most classes of um, inhalational agents will have dose dependent effects, both on cardiovascular and, you know, your respiratory system, but are there any specific toxicities associated with specific classes of um, inhalational agents, mm -hmm. you know, halothane with halothane hepatitis, sevoflurane, um, you know, potential renal toxicities, potential. So it, it, it just allows you just to think about the compare and contrasting um, idea. And then after that, have, you know, have a think about in terms of, you know, with regards to the, the, the clearance of, the volatile agent, whether that's going to be a factor. And then after that, whether any sort of patient variables will increase the risk of toxicity uh, for the, for that agent there. No, thanks, Sam. That is a fantastic yeah. summary. And I love the fact it's, it's a different way of approaching to what I normally would have thought, but I feel like it, it really does get you to the point of difference and the essence of each drug and its problems far sooner than a general method. So yeah, mm. no, I really like that. Yeah. So yeah, feel, feel free to adapt it, change it. Mm. You know, you can, you can make it better, which I think that uh, is that whole process about learning and, and evolving. And, you know, mm. if, if anyone can, can think of, uh, you know, a, a different way of thinking about toxicity, let us know. Sounds good. Um, I think that's pretty good. That's a good session. Uh, discussing the factors that influence local anesthetic toxicity and a, a very good general framework for any drug. Um, so yeah, probably leave it there and uh, close now. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks so much for watching and listening to Anesthesia Coffee Break. This podcast is out on YouTube as well as on our podcast on any of your normal players, iTunes, Spotify. If you enjoyed this, uh, please share with anyone who might be interested and we'll see you next time for the next episode. Thanks a lot. Bye.